0: for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. distance can you feel it in the air can you sense the breeze of the season blowing across the old town square iberia our destination la liga our immediate aim as europe's top flights come back to life we'd like to start in Spain. So first onto the summit where Barcelona sit a stead after last year's trophy found itself bedecked in blue and red, yet over in Madrid they currently gaze with envious eyes at a trophy they seek to reclaim Spanish football's foremost prize. While Bellingham's arrived in the capital and in Catalonia, Ilkay's in town to augment to already great midfields as they battle for the crown. Two age old rivals locked in an eternal war, which of them will shine brighter as they battle to the fore. But maybe Maybe there's a surprise in store, a challenger from the side, an unheralded upstart set to give the big boys a ride, do Atleti have their mojo back, are Sevilla back for good, the Real Sociedad have a bigger engine hidden beneath that hood. What's Setien cooking at Villarreal, BBD and Sawlot in attack, and could Betis' returning heroes be the key to fighting back, whilst as mighty season had them on the edge of glory, whilst Athletic's local boys try to write their own new story? At the other end, it's good to see Granada back on the scene, whilst Alaves' playoff chaos has them again daring to dream. Canary representation seen once again in Las Palmas's yellow, three promoted sides hoping that goodbye doesn't follow hello. And what of the chaos that abounds still from Mestalla, Valencia? Are hoping burning flames can lift them higher? And can Celta hang on to the brightest spark of all? Or will an exodus from Vigo mean that the Galithians will fall? Glory, ghosts and nightmares, every season has the lot. But it's time for us to dive now a little deeper into the pot. Whose dreams will fall into the abyss and whose will stay on track? Like these poems, ladies and gentlemen, La Liga's coming back.
1: Oi, oi! La Liga's back, Jack's back. One take, Jack. One take, Jack. Love it, What a comeback. There we are. Welcome,
0: ladies and gentlemen, to Ranks FC. Hello to the Ranks squad. This is your favourite football podcast back again to look at the abounding new season which is upon us once again my name is jack Collins, and i'll be your host there i'm joined by our transfer guru mr dean jones how you doing mate
1: what a way to set the tone for a new season mate let's go i'm on this train now with you and we are ready for a a big season i'm very excited about uh today's episode I'm, i'm ready to go um the top of this episode, particularly, I think is fascinating. Um, the way that Real Madrid and Barcelona are going to go at each other this season, I think will be like something we haven't seen for a fair few years now. They're taking different approaches to the season, their squad makeups are pretty different, but mate, this is going to be pretty special.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to do this in three parts. The first part, we're going to be talking about El Clasico and that battle for the title between Barcelona and Real Madrid. In part two, we're going to be talking about the teams that might look to challenge them, but also looking to challenge for those European places, the likes of Atleti, Real Sociedad, Villarreal, Betis, Sevilla, Osasuna, Athletic Club, whoever you want, I'll talk about them all. Uh, And then in a little bit at the end, we will just take a look at some teams who might might be a little bit too close with this relegation battle for comfort. So there's a lot to get through and get straight into it. And then I think maybe it might be nice to just set the scene, remind everyone how last season ended at the top, because to be perfectly honest with you, it does feel a little bit like last year became a one-horse race very, very quickly.
1: Yeah, it did, didn't it? I mean, it was um, not expected, of course. It was not the way that we thought that things were going to go. Barcelona was supposed to be in crisis last season. Um, All the financial disarray that that surrounded them. uh, Wasn't really expecting them to go on and win La Liga not just win La Liga, win La Liga by 10 points, mm. well clear of Real Madrid and not uh, not a title race in sight in, in the final couple of months of the season. So that was pretty disappointing from a neutral point of view. Um, and I think that even now, when you look back on, on how the season ended, um, you look at Barca's goals against record, 20 goals they conceded last season. That is absolutely outstanding um over the course of, of 38 games like real madrid only conceded 36 goals uh, atleti conceded 33 goals um and even real sociedad 35 goals they'll you know you're, you're delighted with conceding um you know anything less than a goal a game obviously and that's that means you're going to be in a contention certainly for top four but to only concede 20 goals pretty special now what we're going to see from Barcelona, obviously, is is building on that and looking to add extra control to games, I think. That's perhaps what was missing. We'll get into that a bit more in a minute. But yeah, you're right. Like it was, it was still a good season. And I would think that the surprise element of Barcelona is probably what kept it alive. I won't say it that was the most captivating La Liga season, though. I wouldn't say that like I there was many times I couldn't wait to tune in. Even for me, the Clasicos were missing a little bit of spark last season. But I tell you what, I don't think it will be anything like that this season. If one of these teams wins the title this time around by 10 points, I'll be amazed. Um, but let's see what they can do. This is going to be... Um, this is the time for Real Madrid to bounce back. And I think that they're going to try and do it in style. I think the really in- interesting thing about this Barcelona season is that
0: it actually... Ten points and that twenty goals against is probably a little bit of a misnomer because they'd won the title basically when they won the Clásico on the nineteenth of March. I think it took a couple of weeks for it to be officially over the line, but that was that was kind of when it was. They then lost four of their last eight games. Right, they lost two one to Roviacano, who were a little bit of the surprise package of last season, especially in the first half of the season. They lost two one to Real Sociedad. They lost three one to Valladolid, uh, who got relegated, and they lost two one on the final day self so actually if you kind of take these last games out of it the, the the records i think marco Andre stegan would have won record after record after record for the least goals conceded but actually barcelona felt like they took their foot on off the gas a little bit once the title was secure you know you concede yeah, five eight goals in those last sort of couple of games yeah they did you're right yeah that's that's even more incredible in many ways mm. as to as to how it was over the line so even the 10 points and and the goals against don't probably do the season that Barcelona put together in La Liga Justice they were absolutely exceptional
1: yeah I forgot like he was on he was on course for some real records um at that point you're right um but yeah there was a bit of a flurry towards the back end because things were already sewn up let's see if they can pick up from where they left off in March rather than when they left off in May
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, let's get into it. And let's start, I think, with transfers for both sides, because there's been some interesting additions in both camps this summer, I think.
1: Yeah, I mentioned a second ago that they've taken kind of different approaches to to the transfer market and to, to changing up their squads. Um, and I think that that is not really any more clear than the, the profiling of the players that they've signed as kind of like their, their key assets for the new campaign. So you look at Real Madrid, the guys that are trying to, this season, catch Barcelona. They've obviously signed Jude Bellingham for what will end up being over £100 million. But it um, starts off as 80 million. pounds. Um, a 20-year-old central midfielder coming in at Real Madrid. And then also adding Arda Güler as an attacking element that they're going to build upon. He's 18. So there's two of them. Main signings that they've paid out for. They've also gone for Fran Garcia from Rayo Vallecano. He's only 23, yeah. um, and he's looking to add to the variety at left back and genuine competition to get starting places. Um, they have balanced it out a little bit by getting Jose Lu as, as the centre forward. He's 33 now, uh, coming in from Espanol. But you know that there is key, clearly a real focus on bringing in youth. And focusing on that young talent to come in uh, at Real Madrid. Obviously, in midfield they already had uh, Luka Modric and Tony Kroos. Uh, but like Bellingham said um, recently, you know, coming into this squad and being part of a, a midfield that's got players like Chuamene, Camavinga, Valverde, Insubios, like still looking to prove themselves, that is a really exciting thing to become a part of. Let's flip it over to barcelona and what they've been doing in the transfer market well they're basically 30 odd year olds you've got inigo martinez or from an athletic club he's come in for a free ilkay gundawan's come in he's 32 he's come from man city on a free and they've signed oriel romeo from girona he's 31 now romeo Hmm. but you know you've mentioned before i don't know if on the on the main feed or on patreon or, or both but you like this signing a lot and the, the early signs of Romeo adding to the control of this Barca midfield in pre-season has actually been one of the fascinating elements of it. And I tell you what, with, with Gundawan and Romeo in there as controlling a, um, aspects of the structure of the Barca team and the little the younger players, just being able to thrive a little bit, I think, more and not have to take the burden of responsibility yet in that team. I think that that's going to be really key. Like the balance that Xavi's trying to find there, I think is really, really interesting. So yeah, in terms of the players coming in, that has been um, really key. Then you look at the players that have gone, look, in a different world. We could have been talking about a messy comeback here at barcelona yep. it didn't happen he's gone to inter miami he will actually be back at barcelona there's talk that he's actually going to go back to to camp new at some point soon and actually have a proper farewell so we look forward to that but jordi alba's gone uh, sergio Busquets also gone um so if you want to watch old school barcelona you need to be heading to miami these days um trincao he left uh, a lot of Griezmann's these players gone.
0: a lot of these players who have um, left
1: were- off on loan last year, right? Juncao off on loan.
0: Nico Gonzalez was out at Valencia. And I was really interested because I thought he might come back and be given the opportunity to be that number six. He's gone to Porto, which I think is a really interesting move. But that's a a chat for a separate podcast. We're going to be doing the Primera in a different episode alongside the Eredivisie uh, and Liga. So we'll we'll keep that one for there. Antoine Griezmann obviously been out on loan for a while. A lot of these players who have left, Busquets and Alba aside, have not really been part of the the kind of makeup and I think that that's maybe the difference you know you look at Busquets and Alba and they are the two key departures from Barcelona you look at the key departures from Real Madrid and the man that stands out is obviously Karim Benzema and these are the kind of flips we've we've talked about the players coming in and I think there's there's a reason I'll talk about in a minute the fact that two returning players I think could be really really key for both of these sides but Benzema leaving, Busquets leaving, Alba leaving. They're the three big departures so far. But we are recording this on a Tuesday. By the time you hear this, Usman Dembele might well have departed as well.
1: Yeah, he'll he'll be over at PSG with another player that departed Real Madrid, Marco Asensio. So um, that is uh, a link up that you'll be seeing soon and I guess quite an unexpected one, those two uh, joining forces. But you're right, like they're so far three significant ones. Eden Hazard like did leave Real Madrid Um, that that shouldn't be um, underplayed in terms of like how badly that transfer actually not, went not with
0: it. a bang but with a whimper as frank turner yeah i mean did. the
1: fact that hazard has has now left real madrid and it's you know it's a footnote is pretty insane to be honest but that's where we got to uh mariana diaz you know players like that passing through now the club um not really mattering not really mattering so yeah we've had a, a bit of change but ultimately there are only 3 or 4 that really matter before we get into the crux of the season there may be a couple of twists and turns like obviously there's still the glaring uh, focal point of of the real madrid team and the fact that they haven't signed a proper benzema replacement um the mbappe situation as we record is rumbling on but madrid not got involved in that actively at this stage I'm kind of surprised that they're not at least testing the water on Harry Kane if they really do want a number nine to come in. But, um, you know, tactically, this Real Madrid team in pre-season has been a different setup, um, and we're looking at a time when um, you're getting Vinny, you're getting Rodrigo and then Bellingham kind of breaking up the two of them and going beyond and, and trying to create for those two. So a different structure coming at Real Madrid at the moment. And what it means is that Barcelona have the only absolute guaranteed source of goals coming this season in the shape of Lewandowski.
0: Yeah, which could be the exact break. I think that right now, as we record this, would separate the two teams. So I wanted to just touch on Frank Garcia, because I think he's a really interesting one coming back to go to Viacano and has thrived there. He's been bought back for around 5 million. Real Madrid had a, had a buyback clause on him that they've activated this summer, which I'm, I really like, and I think is really, really interesting. And I think that, of all these players, and I, I kind of exclude Bellingham from this because Bellingham has obviously been brought in to to join the first time. Um, and he's obviously been brought in to to be kind of a key moment right now in this team. The actual key element, I think, for me is that I think Frank Garcia will be Real Madrid's starting left back by the end of this season. I think he will usurp Furlong Mendy, who has come in and done okay without setting the world alight. And we're really excited about furlong Mendy. So for him to come in and Usurp him, I think, would be a pretty big statement of intent. But Frank Garcia has been absolutely brilliant for Viacano. He's been someone who's definitely been a key part of how they've operated and how they've looked to, to set up. Uh, there'll be more on Viacano later. But Frank Garcia, there's my my first pick for the for the year. I think will be Real Madrid's starting left back by the time that this season comes to a close. And it rides on quite nicely to another attorney in Oriol romeo who you mentioned earlier. I said on the podcast for a while that I think this is a really smart signing. I think he was really, really useful as a player for Girona last year. One of those players that just does the simple things well. And we've talked about the fact that you have to try and replace Sergio Busquets. Now, we could wax lyrical about Busquets for the entire podcast if this was up to me. But I think it's probably not worth that in a season where he is not going to feature in La Liga. So when Barcelona have to look at how they address the gap or the void left by sergio busquets there's plenty of different kind of things you look at and one of them is what he brings on the ball that ability just at the base of midfield to break up play yes but also just to keep things ticking over to make the right pass to make the smart pass uh, and just to keep barcelona moving in those areas romeo does that he's not as good as busquets obviously we've been playing for barcelona for the last 10 years but as replacements <laughs> go he's come in there with the experience with la liga experience with time playing in the premier league Is someone who has thrived in systems that have been very, very difficult to operate in. He has thrived in various different structures. And I think that what we've seen from him so far in preseason is he's just able to step up with better players around him and be the six that Barcelona are going to need when things get a little bit tricky and a little bit tough in the midfield. Now, they've also brought in Ilkay Gundogan, and that helps Phil as well as Romeo, the void of maybe leadership and presence in the middle and that guidance as you said with Pedri and Gavi you know just being able to push them in the right directions and Frankie de Jong who remains a young player at this point in his career especially in this system that Xavi's trying to operate with where often there's four midfielders on the pitch they're being asked to do different jobs they're being asked to interchange and intermix I just think that level of experience helps to guide everyone along a little bit and that's why I think that Romeo Is a really smart signing for barcelona i think he's going to have a real impact on this season when you look Mm. at it all that impacts is the midfield balance issue which i think is the main tactical thing that both teams are coming to terms with this year now you look at the way that real madrid have, have set up in the last couple of times and you look at the players you mentioned earlier they have seven central midfielders now obviously some of these players can play in different positions but you have Jude bellingham who's come in to supplement Aurelian Chouameni and Eduardo Camavinga, who were brought in last year. You have Fadi Valverde, who's been there for a long while. You have Luka Modric and Tony Crows, And then also you have Danny Ceballos, who's given a new contract when a lot of people expected him to leave this summer. Hmm. That's seven players for three, potentially four midfield spots. Now, yes, Camavinga has done a job deputizing at left-back, but I think the addition of Fran Garcia renders that a little bit moot and Freddy Valverde has played on the wing at times. But if Real Madrid are going to play with a box midfield uh, or with a diamond midfield and try and push Bellingham up towards a striker, I don't think you've got to play Valverde as one of the two forward players. I think what he offered Mm. on the right wing was that defensive security, was that ability to get up and down the flank to provide cover at right back for Danny Carvajal. A lot of that is kind of moot as well because if you're playing with the extra man in midfield, That's kind of irrelevant. So suddenly there's seven players looking for three, maybe four spots. And when that all comes down to it, the job Ancelotti has in his hands is one, finding balance in this midfield and two, keeping a lot of very, very talented players happy. Now, Ceballos might be content to play a secondary role. We know that he's made a, you know, overtures about the fact that he really wants to succeed in a Real Madrid shirt and he'll do whatever's necessary. If that means him coming off the bench in games, I'm sure he'll live with that. But the rest of them, that's six players. And you're going to have to do a lot of work here in order to, one, keep this midfield balanced and, two, to make sure that everybody is getting the requisite minutes that they need to feel that they're happy in these Real Madrid shirts. And that's a heavy shirt to wear. So when we look at what's happened in preseason, and we look at the fact that Real Madrid have been playing this sort of 4-4-2 diamond without a recognised number nine, and we see that game in the Classico against Barcelona, where they created an absolute shed load and struggled to finish their chances. Then you add the fact that Kylian Mbappe is potentially on the market and Real Madrid have a long-standing and well-documented interest in Kylian Mbappe. My question is, do Real Madrid's midfield need a way to work themselves out this season? I think the answer is yes. And I think what we're seeing with Barcelona, with that addition of Romeo, is that the balance in the midfield feels a lot more steadfast. Now, what the Usman Dembele sale then potentially does is it opens up further avenues for how they look at this season. I think Barcelona will go in for a right back. Now, they've been interested in Ivan Fresneda. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Barcelona entered the market for Joao Cancelo. If they now have £50 million pounds available to them that they've just sold Usman Dembele for, and also they know that they can upgrade in that area without necessarily needing to upgrade in the wing core, because whilst Dembele is a big loss, Ferran Torres, Rafinha, Ezzelzulli's come back from his loan spell, and Fati seems to be finding some of the form that we've seen from him, and Firmin, who's come through as a kind of superstar out of nowhere in these preseason games. You've got to look at it and go, right, how do all these players fit? I would be unsurprised if Barcelona do not buy a direct replacement Bruce Mandembele, and instead actually turn to buying a right back and maybe another forward to back up Lewandowski with that money.
1: Hmm, maybe I was wondering where Ferran Torres might fit into it all. Um, you know, he's obviously been waiting for an opportunity. But I, was, I was wondering if maybe Dembele's departure gives him an opportunity to actually make this deal work out. I would say, on the flip of questioning Real Madrid, I'm looking at it wondering if it's the best midfield depth chart in the world. Yeah, it
0: probably is. <laughs> because I'm
1: like... I don't okay, think so those go- two,
0: te- two things are definitely like unrelated though.
1: No, they're not. But I'm, I am, I, just think like from a positive aspect for a Real Madrid fan listing now, I'd be like, okay, so you've got Kroos and Modric who are 33 and 37. And they're at a point in their career where there needs to be a changing of the guard and it's there, ready to happen. And I think that, you know, if you... If even one of those guys had left, I think it would have been a massive, massive loss for Real Madrid in terms of like helping this team understand the mentality that's needed, the the game management that's needed to be a Real Madrid player. Mm-hmm. If you think of like when Man United have fallen off a cliff in the past, or um, you know any any big team that suddenly disappeared um, out of sight for a while, Real Madrid tend not to let that happen, and it's because they find a way to keep players around for long enough that the young players pick up on the traits and habits that make you a winner. And look, I think that Bellingham in particular is is gonna be an example of exactly that. Like one of the the fascinating things that I find about about Bellingham and his his state of mind and his mentality coming into this season. It's not just that already on the pitch, he looks confident. He looks like he's going to try and make things happen. He's on the front foot. He's always facing up and looking to make things happen, um, going forwards and not playing sideways, backwards passes. But you know that when he came into the club, he actually signed a guy who was the player liaison manager at the FA. So a guy that used to look after the players within the England setup has now been basically bought by jude bellingham to help him manage his own life in spain i think that something like that speaks absolutely like tons for the state of mind the professionalism and the dedication and desire for bellingham to be a success story at real madrid because look just because he cost 88 million pound and rising doesn't mean that this is going to work obviously when you look at players um, from England from the Premier League that have gone to Real Madrid in the past, hasn't always worked out. Steve McManaman, like they like, did all right in the end, but he wasn't the Steve McManaman that they originally signed. Uh, Jonathan Woodgate flop. Michael Owen flopped. David Hi, hang Beckham. On.
0: Hang on, Michael Owen. There was there wasn't there a season where every time Michael Owen scored, Real Madrid won
1: uh yeah but it took i wouldn't say he was established himself uh, was ever also competing uh, with
0: raul and ronaldo i think that's maybe a little bit harsh
1: i don't i just wouldn't i don't think that michael owen okay it is a bit harsh to come a flop yeah fair enough but he wasn't like i don't know he wasn't I don't, the I don't owen that much. he wasn't the owen that he was at liverpool but he was also he post, the owen he was. post those two hamstring yeah. injuries they you know they couldn't no, that's be a fair to that's get those fair. players. No, that that's fair. You you've been way fairer than I was there. Um, sorry, the the years have passed me by, mate. I'm getting old now. Um, Beckham, even you know, like it wasn't all it wasn't all fine sailing for David Beckham. Um, definitely not. And Gareth Bale, obviously, like that didn't go particularly well either. Apart from all the trophies that he won them. So it's yeah. it's it's difficult to like manage expectation because the the crowd are so harsh on people, right? And that is the toughest thing. And I think that by Bellingham making a decision to take someone away from the FA is really, really speaks volumes for the the type of person and and player that he's going to be. I think this signing is going to be brilliant. And it might even be from early doors that you actually can make an impact on La Liga which is is really going to be intriguing and I think that actually like the expectations of all of these these midfielders isn't such that there's barely anyone there that's going to demand the start every week because you have got Modric and Kroos who understand that their game time is going to be managed carefully and then on the flip of it Bellingham, Camavinga, Chiumene like these guys aren't going to expect to play every single minute of every single game either. They know that they're part of something that's growing. So I think that uh, actually they're in a good spot here. Yeah.
0: Okay. Fair enough. I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. And I think Bellingham's a good signing. I just I just wonder with Real Madrid's midfield, if they've ever really replaced Casemiro. And that's not to say that Chiumeni isn't that player long-term. I'm just not 100% sure that right now, as a lone six... He's completely cutting the mustard, and and again, that's not taken away from his talent. He just seems to have that desire to get forward a little bit more to to be the guy, you know, playing the pass or, or taking a shot from the edge of the area. We saw obviously some some wonderful outside of the box goals from him in both a Real Madrid and a, and a France shirt. But I just wonder if they actually have a little bit of lack of the actual number six, and a lot of players who want to play the same positions, which are the two eights either side of them, and now Bellingham playing in the ten. It just feels like a lot. Of players grouped in the same exact categories, and that's yeah. the only slight concern I have over the balance in Real Madrid's midfield. And that's not to say that Bellingham is a bad signing; it's just to to question whether maybe in positionally they could have looked slightly differently, and someone to actually step in fully to that Casemiro role and and be able to provide a little bit more because Chiumeni played in a two. At Monaco, a lot of the time, you know, a four-two-three-one where he was alongside someone else. He played alongside Elliot Matazzo or Yusuf Afana there, and I think that there is kind of an element of: do you need someone also a little bit more defensively minded to, to sit in there alongside him just to to keep things ticking? I don't, I don't know, but maybe this is the year that he continues to develop and makes that spot firmly and fundamentally his own. But I still think there are question marks going into this season. Uh, in a way that maybe I didn't predict that there would be.
1: Oh, yeah. Mate, it's fascinating. I'm I'm loving it already. Like, it's not football. It's La Liga. This is what we want. Absolutely. Absolutely right. We'll park part one there. Uh, We're not doing
0: predictions today. We will do five by fives at the end of August once the window is complete, uh, where we actually predict all of Europe's top five leagues and top five places in each of them. So make sure you're still stuck around with us when those drop at the end of the transfer window. But for now, let's take a break. Don't go anywhere. It's well hot out there, Rank Squad, and so there's no better time to stay hydrated. Whether that's kicking a ball around with your mates at side or bopping round your favourite festival, the golden rule is that hydration is key. Whether it's prepping beforehand, in the thick of the action, or recovering afterwards, you can stay hydrated with Liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. I've started using this stuff on Monday nights down at Fiverrside, and after all the big weekends have dotted my summer landscape, and I tell you, it's a joy. You don't keep your skin looking this good by accident. Arriving in convenient little sachets, it's quick and easy to use, and the acai berry flavour gives it that extra summer joy for me. But if that doesn't float your boat, there's 11 other flavours for you to try in your rotation, and if you're looking for the science, well... Liquid IV contains five different essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and that big old vitamin C hit to boot. On top of that, you're doing your bit for some good causes. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. And so they partner with leading organizations worldwide for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. You can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code RANKSFC at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code RANKSFC at liquidiv.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.
1: Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding expectations, simplifying lives, and establishing legacies that last for generations. Leverage their exclusive network of experts to help achieve your personal and professional financial goals. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect to a wealth advisor today at corient.com. Welcome back. Look, there are actually more than two teams in La Liga, despite the fact that I only ever really talk about two of them and Jack covers all the others. There are 20, Jack. Um, and I think we just flipped the script a little bit here because you're the man in the know when it comes to the deeper knowledge, I reckon, of La Liga. So let's kick off this segment by explaining who you see as the genuine competitors for well, to challenge potentially Real Madrid and Barcelona in the top two. But if not that, to make up the top four and even get around those positions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there is, at the moment, it feels like a relatively clear divide. Now, Atleti had a really good back end of last season and they've looked really smart, I think, in preseason. They look, once again, like the obvious challenger from the pack. um They were the second best side in La Liga behind Barcelona in the second half of last season. And I think, to be honest, they were a little bit unlucky towards the end of the season, maybe not to pit Real Madrid to that second spot. But it was a real turnaround because in the first half of the season, before the World Cup break, Diego Simeone's already talked about the fact that he said it was his toughest time as Atleti manager. They were fifth. There was real consternation about the fact that it didn't feel like they were going to get into the Champions League spots. There was talk of him leaving at the end of the season that it was maybe time to part ways and then they came back with a vengeance in the second half of the season so i watched them play city in pre-season they won 2-1 now obviously we're not reading too much into pre-season results but it was a strong city side and it was a really good performance i thought from atleti they looked sharp and just generally with their signings and the returning low knees i think they're a really interesting side so they've signed javi galan from san Diego, 28 years old left back has been performing at a really high level, I think, in La Liga for a number of years and should add to this side really nicely. Um, Soyunchu's joined from Leicester, Caglos Soyuncu. I think he should thrive in a Simeone side that's more defensively organised than what he experienced at Leicester City as they got relegated last season. And they've brought in Cesare Azpilicueta from Chelsea, bringing a little bit of experience. What I've noticed in preseason that they're playing with a five at the back, as you'd expect. But actually, as Azpilicueta has been playing as the wing back on the right hand side. And Samuel Lino, who has returned from a spell at Valencia, has played a little bit at left wing back. And they're tilting the back five in order so that he can get further up the pitch. And that he returns from Valencia, having been a real shining light in a poor season at Valencia with that top flight experience. And I think that Samuel Lino now feels like he's ready to go for a top side. And, and I think that he's going to have a really, really good year at Atleti this year. They've got a couple of others coming back who've had spells in top flight as well. Rodrigo Raquelme and Sergio Camelo in particular. Camello was at Raya Vallecano. I thought he was really sharp up top in that side. Uh, and they feels like they're in a good place to come back and actually make a difference, to actually get into this side, to challenge for places. And they haven't really lost any truly key pieces, I think, when you look at Atleti's transfer window. You know, you look at the players that, that have left the club, you're looking at the likes of Cunha on loan last season, Lodi on loan last season, Matt Doherty didn't really play. And then the other players, That the, the only other one that's left who really hasn't been replaced, Sergio Region, and we've talked about Javi Galan coming in at left back already. So there's the the kind of flip. Obviously, Griezmann's back on a permanent deal now. Memphis is back and, and scoring goals. We're not sure whether Alvaro Morata is going to, be at Atleti at the start of the season, but just generally with the squad makeup at the moment, Jeffrey Condogbury has left. And I wonder if that leaves a little bit of a hole in the middle of how things, you know, are kind of look at it. And I'm pretty excited about where Atleti are at. I think that there have been some signs in preseason that they're kind of ready to go. And, I think of all the teams, you know, it seems really basic to go, well, they're the team that are going to finish third or at least challenge for challenge top two for the title. But they do feel like the one at the moment, I think, which feels the most settled, feels the most secure. And Cholo feels like he's just got a bit of his mojo back. He's already out, you know, talking breeze in press conferences and giving it large. And I think that's the kind of version of him that you want. You know, Koke is still there. Rodrigo de Powell is still there, who is a player that I love. Tom Lamar in midfield, I think, is a really interesting development that they've, they've kind of went with over the last couple of seasons. And just on the whole, I think they feel like the one closest to challenging for what might be a, a relatively, you know, flat title race between the other two this season. Atleti feel closest, I think, right now.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I mean, I guess this is what we would all expect anyway, like Atleti should be in that conversation based on the fact that they did have such a good turnaround in the end last season um, and that Simeone has now directly addressed that by speaking about how he felt. Like he didn't really do that at the time. Um, we were left you know, wondering genuinely at one point if he was going to leave. Now it looks like he would actually probably just end up staying <laughs> Atleti for the rest of his life at this stage. But... Um, yeah. We'll wait to see how this season begins. Xiao Felix is overshadowing talk around Atleti quite a bit at the moment. It seems like Simeone is a bit fed up of talking about him. Um, he's he's kind of batting away questions at the moment. He's like, ask Xiao about his future. Don't ask mm-hmm. me. I mean, this, this player that was signed a few years ago now, um, over £100 million, like... It does need to be sorted out yeah. because it it, it it kind of is hampering them now. So I feel like that just needs to have a, a line drawn through it as soon as possible because it doesn't seem like it's in a situation they can turn around right now. Um, but yeah, I like that, mate. Is there anybody challenging Atleti as the as the third best team? Is there a surprise or is it going to be one of the expected ones? Well,
0: I think the thing is that many of the uninitiated into kind of the real sociedad way will have seen that they qualified for the champions league for the first time in a long time and, and expected big investment but that's not the way that they operate and it hasn't been the way that they've operated this summer so they had alexander surlot on loan from rb leipzig they did not exercise the 15 million euro option yeah. to buy him he's gone off to via we'll talk about them in a minute but and a lot of people go well, where are the goals coming from who's going to step in you know but i don't forget umar sadiq who was signed last summer to reply, replace Alex Izak? He got an ACL injury really, really soon afterwards, and it completely wiped out his season. He's back very soon from that injury, and I think that that's going to be something that people maybe have forgotten about. Um, they they have reinvested that money really, really well, right? They bought Bryce Mendes, they brought a couple of others, Takafusa kikubo and they brought various different you know pieces that feel like they've slotted in. Hamari Traore is the club's only significant expense so far. Well, they bought him a free transfer, but it's only significant signing so far. He'll bring a calm head to things in San Sebastián. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw someone like Odriozola Zola leave Real Madrid to return to San Sebastián. He's San Sebastián born. Um, just to provide competition for Traore and, and maybe Gora at right back. But just generally, it feels like their squad is secure. The only issue I have is that obviously David Silva retired earlier on in the summer mm-hmm. which was incredibly sad and he was crocked in, in in training with an injury and he decided that was the time to hang up his boots now he didn't play all that much football last year so it's not on the pitch as oh god David Silva's not there who do they turn to it's more I think the fact that it just feels like a lot of experiences maybe leaving the camp with to has gone permanently to Itafe. He was on loan, obviously, last year, but he's returned and, and he's gone out again. Andy Guevara, who's about 26, has gone back to Alaves, where he came from, which I was really excited about as a transfer. I really like, but it's another you know, midfielder gone. Ilar Amendi, who, again, didn't play very much, but was that head in the dressing room to have, has also gone. He, he's gone and isn't signed for a club as of yet. But I think that just a lot of this is, is interesting in terms of how they deal with things. And, and the big question mark that hangs over El Sociedad is that for the last couple of years, they've started really well and fallen off in the back half of the season. Now, they managed to curb that enough to secure Champions League qualification last year. But they're now going to have to play Champions League football midweek. Yes, they've been playing Europa League football. It's a step up. I think you expected a little bit more to, to not rotate the side. How does that stack up in the league? they've always promoted from within and that has been a, a really nice thing a little bit like athletic Club, slightly less stringent on you know who's brought in and, and why but generally they like to promote from within the area it's regionalism against the kind of rampant capitalism of football and it's lovely to see yeah. so I'm assuming that more players will come through the academy and be part of what's happening here but I'm a bit wary that when we've seen that drop off that's been without Champions League football and without real investment here How much of that are we going to see earlier on in the season? I think that could be what derails Russ campaign.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are linked with players. I mean, as of recording this, uh, just looking through the types of players that they're linked with. I mean, uh, at left back, they've been linked with Tottenham's uh, Sergio Uh, Reggion. In midfield, these links have been lingering, and there's definitely something in the fact that they are looking at Donny van der Beek uh, from Man United. And up front, they've been linked with Andre Silva, who actually, I think great player like I think I think Andre Silva would be would would do really well so if there are the types of players that that they are narrowing in on at this stage and that they can start to get over the line then yeah I think absolutely um, that they can start to be taken a bit more seriously like you say they definitely do have to recruit and it's got to be of a pretty high level and they're going to have to slightly alter the model
0: I just wonder with those Andre Silva links, you know, they had the option to buy Solot for fifteen million euros. Now, I don't begrudge them not paying that because I think that that's a a big fee, but I don't think they're going to get Andre Silva for any less than twenty. So, in yeah. there's kind of you had a player who was in the system, knew the system, has scored goals in the last year, and then you're going to shell out on a teammate who. Probably has a higher pedigree. I, I agree with you. I really like Andre Silva as a player, but I don't know how they're going to make that work financially. So so that's an interesting one. I just want to run through a couple of others. It's yeah. a bit of a mess at Sevilla. Um, Dilibar has said that he wanted 10 players to leave this summer They've had three out the door, two on loan. So they're starting to get there, that. but they have real debt concerns. Apparently, they need to raise €80 million Euros this summer. They've been mooted on selling Siri, potentially to Saudi Arabia, potentially to West Ham United, and even Bono, who's been the number one there for such a long time. It would leave them short, I think. At both ends of the pitch, Dimitrovic is a perfectly fine goalkeeper, but it would still be a downgrade from Bono, I think. We saw a serious resurgence at Sevilla in the back half of that season that obviously culminated in the Europa League trophy. So there's room for optimism in, on that front too, but it still feels like there's a load to do in the market. We've just seen someone like Fernando come out and be like, it would be really sad, but the club have to sell players if we lose these two players. I'm just a little bit concerned. I don't think Sevilla are going to be in anywhere near the kind of trouble they were in last year. Because I think that Mendilibar is a coach who is just able to get the best out of solid teams, and and that's what he's built. But I just wonder if they might fall away, and you know, from these European spots again, especially with Champions League football to contend with again. You know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of players apparently on the chopping block. They haven't recruited particularly hard. There's loads going on. I'm just not completely sold on what's going on at Sevilla so far. So, I just just a word of caution on them. Um, Real Betis have mm-hmm. put all all of the eggs in the bring the old guard back and hope for the best basket,
1: <laughs> which is yeah.
0: fun. Don't get me wrong. Mark Parcher's back from Trabzonspor on a free. Ektar back from Sporting on a free. Jose Perez, who was on loan last year, signed on a free. Then they signed Mark Rocker from, from Leeds United on loan. And Isco, I wanted to talk to you about this because I know how much you love Isco. Um and this is really exciting. Isco re- reunited with Manuel Pellegrini, who he played his best football for in a Real Madrid shirt, I think. Um, and there's also Alex Killado, who's come in from Barcelona and gone straight out on loan to Saudi Arabia. It's a bit of a strange move in in many ways, mm. but I think there was worries about whether he'd be able to be registered. It's just uh, there's a lot going on. Um, but Isco, obviously, the current sort of big highlight of everything that's happening at Betis.
1: Mate, so I need a better shirt. Um, you know, I've I've made I don't know I've made fun of you for supporting Betis. I don't think I've gone that far, but um, <laughs> I certainly uh, have watched you suffer, and I am going to suffer with you now, mate. Isco, as we all know, one of my favourite players of all time. I don't know what you get, what version of Isco is going to turn up here. I don't know if you are getting an Isco that that's hungry, who's still got a point to prove, or if he's just seeing out the final uh years of his career but you want an isco that's going to have fun that is the isco that you've got to unlock you've got to make sure that he's got some freedom and that he can yeah provide some joy i think that that's what the player himself needs now uh as well look there were a lot of clubs obviously that that looked at signing him i think even barcelona were mentioned at one point of, of, of looking at isco but um Yeah, he says that you know, going forward, you're still going to be getting a hard-working player. He still says that the desire is there to play football and that none of that's gone. He says he's still motivated. But whenever I'm reading interviews with him at the moment, he is talking about wanting to have fun, wanting to be excited. And I think that if you do get that version of Isco... Then this could still be good. He's only thirty-one; like he's not completely done yet. So, I'm with you, mate. I'm getting my Isco shirt on order, and here we go.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one because he's coming in to replace Sergio Canales, who's gone off to Mexico after so many wonderful years of service. So there's actually a big void for Isco to fill, right? There, he is expected to step in there now. Nabil Fakir is still here, can play in that ten spot as well. Fine, no problem. Uh, He's been playing wide for most of his time at Betis because Canales has stepped into that kind of 10 role and never really relinquished it but Isco has an opportunity here to go right this is my starting spot and it's mine it belongs to me and I think that that's a really interesting place to be for him because if he can turn it on and we can see the Isco that we you know loved so much there were flashes of it obviously at Sevilla yeah. he's crossed the crossed the Seville border which is something that's not going to go down particularly well. I imagine that Sanchez pith one. He has an opportunity now to make himself a hero in the green and white half of Seville. And I think that's a pretty cool place to be. Um, one quick one on Vireal before we move onwards. Vireal have sold a lot of players and a lot of players Ooh. who were big parts of this team, right? Nicholas Jackson, obviously gone to Chelsea. Pau Torres, gone to Aston Villa. Samuel Chiquese, gone to AC Milan. There's a lot of players here going, ooh, not sure about that. Not sure how that's going to work. Um, mm. And, you know, there have been some interesting additions. We talked about Lot coming in up top. Ben Bereton-Diaz joined from Blackburn on a free transfer. Dennis Suarez joined from Celta Vigo. and You know, old head now at this point from a free. Elias Akamak from Barcelona, who has been touted as a, a star for a while, but never actually quite has, has lived up that bidding, never really broke into the Barcelona team, is one to keep an eye on. He's been brought in 19-year-old, I think, to replace Chukwese on that right-hand side. And then there's Santi Comissania, who I really like as a deal, especially on a free. 26 years old, was an absolute centre point of that Raya Vallecano midfield last year um, and comes into Villarreal. I think that's a really smart little bit of business from Villarreal, um, and I'm really excited about it. But there's a lot of big pieces moved on. You know, you kind of add to that the fact that Mojica... Uh, has left to go to Osasuna sooner. Now, obviously, he hasn't played as much in recent times, but Lo Celso, end of his loan, has gone back to Tottenham. Mm. Big change for Kike Setien to deal with, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the URL start this season, because they were good, but a little bit... <sighs> they were good, but I think they were a little bit inconsistent under Setien last year. There were periods where they looked unbeatable, and there were periods we were like, how have you gone from playing the way you did a minute ago to... Playing like this, and and so how they do in with some sort of consistency is the big question hanging over them with such big squad turnover.
1: Yeah, I mean they've they've made a lot of money. They've their transfer income has reached a hundred million euros once uh, Chukwazi, uh was out the door. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a clear out. Um, but you're hoping, from a very hard point of view, that that they can turn the corner now and that um, that Soloth can can help them move forward again, um, Sociedad did not sign him because um, of long-term injury concerns. Now, if those concerns don't come through, then Villarreal actually won this battle and have got a really good player on their hands that can definitely help them thrive and get into that mix. Mm,
0: definitely. Very interesting one, Villarreal. And Just a word to Osasuna, because they've been allowed to compete in the Conference League. Uh, I'm not 100% sure this squad is actually gonna be able to compete on two fronts, but mm. it's uh I'm really glad so that I, they have because there was yeah. that was a real sad thing. They were you know, for those of you that don't know, there's a really interesting story around this. But basically the club whistle blew on their own X board for basically financials and, and and match fixing charges and then UEFA banned them because of it and the fans were like what How, hang on we were the ones that put this up the new board <laughs> were like no 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 we we blew the whistle you can't punish us otherwise no one else is going to do it um yeah. so I'm really glad that Osasuna are back in Europe because they have absolutely fundamentally earned that spot that's great um yeah definitely so yeah it's uh an interesting one. right that's probably enough for the european battle uh, we oh. will do a quick roundup of a couple of teams that might be in a little bit of trouble after the break
1: right let's dig into the trenches of la liga and look at who's going to be in the mix at the bottom of the table Elche had a nightmare season last time around. They came bottom of the pile down on 25 points. But above them, there was a battle to be had. Espanyol ended up going along with via the lead. Valencia had a really tough time of things and were lucky to get away from it uh, towards the back end. So them and Almeria, along with Hatafe and Cadiz and even Celta Vigo, had a bit of a panic up too towards the end. But all those teams did survive, Jack, from Almeria upwards. Who are you suggesting should be having a little glim- glimpse at the panic button as we get towards the first game of the season?
0: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, look, most of the time, the promoted sides tend to struggle in their first season. So survival is obviously the aim. So you think you can throw all three of the promoted sides back into that mix. I am intrigued by Alavez. Because I think that they've signed some really, really interesting players. They've signed Antonio Blanco from Real Madrid, who was part of the the Spanish side that got to the final in the under-21s. They signed Andy Guevara back from Real uh, Real Sociedad that we spoke about at the top, um, who's a homecoming boy. They've also signed Giuliano Simeone, who's the youngest brother, I believe, of the Simeone three, um, who had a really good year last year on loan. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can translate that into... The, the top flight and be able to translate that form into his Alaves career. They've obviously lost some players as well. Um, they took a lot of players that, that were on loan last year. Atia libre has gone back to Athletic, the trumpet man himself. Um, and I think that, you know, making the, the signing of someone like Blanco permanent was a really cool move. Um, he feels like he's ready to make that step up. He feels like he's a, a player that's ready to to make his impact in La Liga and I just quite like it as a as a deal just in terms of how things play out this season mm-hmm. um they signed Nicolás as well from 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 Almeria who was on loan with them last season obviously Almeria has stayed in division happy to sell to a relegation rival we'll see if that's a decision Susan but I think Alaves so far of the the teams that have come up in terms of signings are the ones that I'm probably most interested in the question marks I have obviously Valencia struggled last year I can't see it getting better and that's the worry Mm. because you look at that Valencia side last year and you look at the players that have left Tony Lato at left back Edson Cavani who obviously didn't feature all that much towards the back end of the season but has left on a free to go to Boca Samuel Lino who was really really important I think for Valencia last year gone back to Atleti Nico Gonzalez went back to Barcelona and then off to Porto Elisha Mariba Went off to Leipzig, back to Leipzig, and Cliver went off to Roma to only go on then to Bournemouth. So, a lot of the players that featured heavily last year have returned from their loans and not returned to Valencia or left. And I think when you look at that and you look at the players that come in, I really like Pepperloo, who signed, who crossed the, the border in Valencia, signed for Levante after signing an infinity contract the year before with his hometown club. That was an interesting one. I just worry that. They're light. Again, now I'm sure that they'll make some loan signings towards the end of things, but with basically everything on fire at the Mestalla, where their continual fan protests over the ownership, with the fact that they only just survived relegation on the final day, and they're going into this season weaker than they were at the end of last season. I have serious question marks, and the only news we're getting out of Valencia is that currently they don't want their fans to eat Seeds at the game because it's attracting rats in the styre.
1: That is the story. The story of preseason. Sunflower seeds to be. Banned because <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I saw some pictures of these sunflower seeds on the floor. There's piles and piles of them. Yeah, I mean, it's not good, uh, but like the fact that
0: that the only news coming out of Valencia is that and Eunice Musa potentially off to AC Milan doesn't bode well for the season ahead. They've lost sort of five starters from last year.
1: They're all rats at Valencia, mate. The people running this club, yeah.
0: Well, it feels very much that way. Um, I've got a question a bit over Celta Vigo because obviously Gabri Vega, as we record, this is still a Celta Vigo player. If that's if that stays there, that's fine. But he's been linked with PSG, he's been linked with Man City, he's been linked with Liverpool. I don't think that one's going to go through at this point. But when you're kind of looking at all these different elements, it's all quite uncomfortable in terms of how mm. things are going and where you're kind of looking at things. So generally, I'm just a bit concerned um, about Celta. They've they've obviously sold Javi Galan as well to Atleti. So there's lots going on and I'm not completely and utterly convinced that they're in as good a place as they were last year. Now it might be enough. They they fell down the league table, right? So they they absolutely were fine until Christmas, and then after Christmas everything went absolutely mad, and they got a new manager in. And everything should be on a better path, but you know the the signings that they've made so far. Jonathan Bamba like really like a lot. Think that's fun. Manu Sanchez coming in as a left back replacement from Atleti. Fine, that that will do. He's younger and less experienced than land, but. You know, that, I think that that's a good a replacement as, as they could have asked for. Carlos Perez has come in from Roma for around 5 million as well. But just generally, I'm just a bit concerned that, you know, we've seen some big characters in the club leave, Hugo Mayo, and then we're looking at potentially the, ab- the, the absence of Gabri Vega. And given the season's form at the back end of last year, I'm a little bit concerned for them. But not as concerned as I am for Ryo Vallecano, because... Rayo mm. Vallecano have been the story of La Liga for so long they've been so much fun they've been a joy to watch and they've replaced Ariola with Francisco and I'm not sure I'm not sure at all that this is what I would have done um his last job was at Elche where he was sacked with a team in last place in October last year Elche did not improve uh, and he's now been appointed via Kano manager. Now you look at some of the players that have left there as well. Bran Garcia, who was obviously so key at left-back. Santi Comesanya, who has gone to Villarreal, who was kind of part of the heart of it. Sergio Cameo, who was really, really key in terms of the way that they operated up top. You look at all of those things, and I am concerned with their business in replacing them. They brought in Florian Regalicion from Alaves as centre-back for two and a half million, and then two free transfers in Hernandez and Espino. And I'm worried, big worried about Vallecano because I think that they were overachieving with Iraola. We'll talk about this when we talk about Bournemouth because I think he's a wonderful manager, able to get Mm -hmm. more out of his teams than the sum of their parts put together. They've brought in a manager who I do not trust at all to sort this team out. And they have lost three or four key players who were so crucial to the way that they operated last year. I sense trouble ahead.
1: Yeah, so 11th place finished last season, but they're only nine points clear of the mix at the bottom. So like it wouldn't take too much to go wrong from that uh, to get dragged into it. And like you suggest, like there has been a bit of sign that there are going to be things going wrong. So... It's a good shout, mate. It's a good shout. And uh, we'll see if that one's in the bag by the end of the season. <laughs> mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think it's probably time for us to call this a day, my friend. Oh.
0: That's a lot of La Liga in an hour. Especially.
1: That was a lot of La Liga. Lots of no Athletic Club.
0: Where are you predicting Athletic Club to come, our team? I think that it could be a little bit of a struggle. Not necessarily in terms of finishing anywhere near the bottom. Um, but I think that last year was a real opportunity to get out European football for Athletic, Severe out of the mix, especially. Um, and they managed to cede that position to Osasuna. I don't think that Athletic have got much stronger when you look at how they've put things together, put this season together. They brought in two free transfers um, in Javier Marton and in Igor Ruiz, but they've lost a few key bits and Diego martinez obviously left for barcelona there's been a couple of others who've run out of contract a couple of the old guard have, have departed the likes of Ander kappa i just can't at the moment i don't see huge levels of improvement and i'm a little bit concerned that without improvement i think are going to go one better
1: wish i hadn't asked Wish I hadn't asked. (laughs) Ask silly questions, get silly answers. Um, But that's where I'm
0: at, on Athletic. And with that, it's probably time for us to call it a day. So all that's left for me to do is say thank you so much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones.
1: Cheers, mate. Thanks, Rank Squad. Remember, you can catch us on Patreon twice a week. Do come over. We are going to get deep into the new season over there. You don't want to miss it.
0: Absolutely not. You do not. I've been Jack Collins, neighbour of hearts. This has been your La Liga preview on Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening, as ever, and we will see you later on in the week, where I'm going to be talking Primera, Era Divisi, and Liga with a bunch of special guests. Don't miss it. Take it easy, gang. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score, and the chance has gone begging. If your business is commerce platform